24. My name is Stace Hiba. I'm the editor-in-chief of Central News. Today, we are talking to one of the most interesting, um, I can say, political leader or public figures. He is the founder and the president of Black Fest Land Fest, Andile Ngaitama. He has been seen recently um, endorsing, or I can say, um, supporting President Jacob Zuma, who is backing um, the MK party, which is the new party. But I'm not alone. Um, I'm going to be assisted by my colleague as well in terms of um, doing this interview, Debo Hokozi of the Unset SA podcast. He's with us. Mr. Tebza, um, welcome as well. How are you this morning? I'm, I'm fantastic. It was raining yesterday and today it's nice and sunny. But the weather is so unpredictable. We can never tell what's going to happen. You know, it's like our, our our current political status in the country. Today it's sunny, tomorrow it's cloudy. But hey, we move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How are That's you? What... I haven't seen you in a while. I'm, I'm, I'm fine, man. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Let's let's talk to Ndate Andilele. Uh, Mr. Andile, thank you so much for giving us um, this time and welcome to Central News. Let's talk about what has just happened recently. You have been seen with former President Jacob Zuma, who is backing MK, and you have also announced or indicated that your movement, um, BLF, is supporting MK. Why are you supporting them? What's the reason behind this um, support or endorsement? Uh, it was not my first time to visit in Ganga. Uh, I'm a fairly uh, regular visitor there. Since 2015, our movement, Black First Land First, has been supporting President Zuma. In fact, we started a whole campaign called Hands of Zuma Economic Liberation Now. It was at a time when people like Julius Malema and others were saying Zuma must fall. And we counted that because we believed that Zuma was under attack from white monopoly capital and international white capital. In fact, it is all confirmed by Robin Renwick, Lord Robin Renwick, who met Julius and them in London. And um, also Johan Rupert here in South Africa, who was supporting that uh, Zuma Must Fall campaign. We said at the time, looking at what was happening in Brazil, exactly the same method of removing progressive leaders uh, to be replaced by reactionary was, was happening there. And we as anti-imperialists said that we needed to defend President Zuma. And so in a sense, it is coming full circle. When he endorsed some controversies, that also chimes well with our other commitment of uniting all the black uh, revolutionary progressive forces. You see right now, the right wing is fairly organized. Is fairly united, and white people are consolidating their political power through not forming multiple political organizations. We as black people are fracturing our one weapon, which is political power, which comes from numerical superiority of black people. That is the only weapon we have to control the state, control politics, and use state power to address historical questions. So white people have realized that power, and that is why they have, they've gone to the ANC, captured the huge section of it, 
its leadership right now under Cyril Ramaphosa. We all know that white monopoly capital was so frightened by the radical economic transformation agenda of President Zuma that they forked out one billion rand to buy the ANC conference, the first Nazareth conference where Cyril was elected president. So we are now in the clarification of politics in South Africa. There's the right wing and there's the left wing. And the left wing is the most disorganized. And we believe around MK, we can believe, begin to organize the left wing as well. Mm. How so? Because you mentioned some, something very important when you're saying um, the white people are actually consolidating their political power. But on the other side, the, the, the black uh, people, if I may put it that way, we are kind of like disorganized because we are putting up, we're coming up with multi parties and all that. But why couldn't uh, the likes of your president Jacob Zuma actually jump onto another party to support it instead of going and supporting a new party? Because right now, if you're going to look at the ballot paper going to elections, we're going to have those two about what 100 parties on that ballot paper. What's, what's so difficult for us as for, for black people to just come together under one and say, like 1994, we saw ANC was dominating, then there was other small parties that came along with it. And we started seeing when people are not getting what they want, they go and they start off something new. What stopped you guys from coming together and say, why not support one political party instead of having multiple? But uh, is this is exactly what is happening. We are all saying, let's uh, support them when we season. Uh, the truth of the matter is that the ANC is the biggest giant which uh, must be brought down without giving the DA the chance to rule. So our tactical move is to uh, get kick the ANC out of power whilst keeping the DA out of power. So those, that's the double move. Okay. MK, MK is the most a interesting energy point right now. And we as uh, political actors, we need to see what maximizes the possibility for growth. And uh, MK is the most attractive left-wing development. And we are therefore uh, engendered to support that so that it grows further, it gets uh, strengthened, and also becomes a serious alternative to the ANC. That's what we need. Uh, we couldn't have gone to join a, a smaller party because the possibility of growth would take us much longer. We need to get the shortest route to state power. And the shortest route is with regard to what potential numerical strength is there. And quite frankly, MK represents the biggest threat to the ANC right now, and we believe that it will do very well. And from this, we can reorganize our politics. The, you see, the right wing is going to consolidate further, and the ANC will be brought right into that uh, political framework of the right wing. The ANC okay. and the DA may form a government, and that will be the end of the ANC. In the next election, 2028-29, the ANC shall not play any role because it shall have killed itself through 
managing the state with the democratic alliance. So that is the danger that the ANC finds itself in. It can either shift to the left or go to the right with the DA. When it comes to the left, it will have to work with people like us in the Mkonto Esizwe and other progressive forces. And then we develop a radical agenda, which is the tactical move that President Zuma is trying to make by saying he stays in the ANC, but he will vote for another party to force the ANC to the left. So the ANC has to make a choice. Right now, it is going to make a right-wing choice under Ramaphosa, and it will form a government with the DA, but that will be the end of the ANC. And it will give the left a big space to reorganize itself and to capture state power in the subsequent elections. But now, here's my other question now. What you are saying, it's what the EFF was recently saying to say, they want to see themselves as the official opposition to the ANC and actually keep ANC out of power and also keep the DA out of power. But now my question is, should Umkondoesis and the EFF come together? Will you be able to work together with ANC when you, that both parties have got negative vibes towards each other because you can see there's no synergy between the ANC and the Umkondoesis currently because what when everybody's campaigning, both parties are actually crushing each other. So what confidence does it bring, does it give as the voters that are just sitting out there and have to make a decision in terms of who do we vote for? Because right now, we all know President Jacob Zuma who said, my blood is green, black and gold, but today now it's changed, it's only green. And you are confusing the two. And my only worry is that, should you guys get to win, get that power that you're looking for? Who's gonna decide uh, on in terms of the leadership of the country and all that, because we've all seen in the past, when the elephants are fighting, the grass suffers. And some philosophers said politics is the art of the possible. Nothing is impossible in politics. And if we have a committed leadership with a very clear agenda of transformation, so firstly, we just need a minimum program that we all agree on. And we propose that that program is radical economic transformation because it has elements such as economic transformation, uh, people benefiting from the mineral resources, land expropriation without compensation, free education. We argue that we must also compensate the Americana people. We must bring about a, um, make sure one of the things that uh, is my big bug there is this notion that people can go to tertiary institution, get their degrees and diplomas and not be employed, it cannot be. It must be state policy that all graduates are employed as soon as they graduate, either by the state or by the private sector, but whatever you studied for, you will be paid the entrance wage or salary of that profession. Because you on your side have carried out the responsibility of educating yourself. Now society must bring its side and make sure that you get employed. It cannot be that we have unemployed graduates. It's a sin, it's evil, it's, it's uh, brutal. So that's one of the key things that SM Conto is we're going to push. But as I say, 
We need to unite on a very clear minimum program where everybody knows what these parties stand for. And then we monitor implementation of that. There is no other way. Change comes from state power. There is no other alternative. We have to capture state power and correctly, just like white people did. You know, I mean, they took our land and they legislated the 1913 Land Act, which gave us 13% of the land. They went into their own white parliament and made a law to dispossess us. And they did that by creating a fake majority of white people. Why can't we have a similar, clear, radical, consistent black agenda and use our black majority to achieve that? Nothing stop us, really. Andile, okay. Coming to the issue of land, I'm gonna, I want to touch on that one. And I know you quite you you're very strong when it comes to the issue of issue of land. Do you think the African National Congress, the ANC, has a plan when it comes to the redistribution of land? And also coming back to you and Kondoesis, do you guys have a plan in terms of the land distribution? Because I've been hearing political parties preaching this this issue about land uh, without compensation or redistribution of land and and, and I understand because majority of white owned, uh, white people actually own majority of the land, of which the land my personal life, therefore it's totally unfair because we get to pay one million for just a, a thousand square meters of land. That is totally unfair. I believe in that. But what is the plan going forward? Because none of the political parties, they actually presenting a plan to say, this is how we gonna implement this land uh, redistribution without compensation. Well, you know, in Zimbabwe for 20 years, they were uh, doing the plan. Uh, they were going building agricultural colleges and so on. But there was no land that returned. And when the land revolution happened, all those plans fell apart. So firstly, we are going to enter into a very robust process of reclaiming land. And then, I mean, in South Africa, for instance, the people who work the land are farm workers already. Uh, we should prioritize them as owners of land so that they produce, so the agricultural sector does not suffer. But it can be expanded. I mean, we argue, for instance, that we can easily create 4 million jobs in the agricultural sector through a distribution program. And remember, the agricultural sector is hugely state-driven. That is why even today in the World Trade Organization, the fight between the US and Europe is on subsidization of the agricultural sector. The white agriculturalists in South Africa were created a bank, a land bank, to give them very cheap credits. Not only that, the white government created uh, corporations which were there to, from planting to distribution, to storage, to marketing. So it's a heavy state intensive process, but the state must have clear capacity to do all those things. So yes, we need to redistribute land, but we must have post-settlement support and support of extension services so that our people are able to sustain themselves on land. The government of the ANC simply take land and run away and let this project collapse. You can't do that. You need to be very close to the people as a state 
with the capacity to provide support. A lot of people, for instance, go to agricultural colleges after they can't use their qualifications because black people don't have land. All those people must be brought into the state system to provide extension services. In other words, they become agents of the state into the communities that get land to sustain agricultural produce. But here's my thing. Here's my thing. Oh. Can, no, can I jump on the last one? Just on. Andile, here's my thing. The past um, 12 years, if I may put it that way, when, and I think Jacob, Jacob Zuma was still the president then, he had the plenty of he had plenty of opportunities to actually implement this policy and actually show people in terms of uh, the distribution of land, how it's going to work or try and negotiate something. But we've seen nothing actually coming out of that nine years. What confidence do you have going into this new election, especially now that 2024, something will happen? Because we keep on hearing about free education, free getting land to be distributed to people, but nothing happened in the past 12 years. What change are they going to bring now that they've left the ANC and formed them umkondo and saying, we're going to bring you this thing, we're going to push radical economic transformation, but you had the chance to do that, but you didn't. I don't know. You see, know. <laughs> you see, you see, uh, President Zuma, in his last uh, term, he was moving clearly towards the left. By the way, we must all remember that he stopped load shedding. Load shedding was stopped under President Zuma, and he started under Cyril. Uh, he also called for black parties to unite in parliament to bring about radical uh, land expropriation without compensation. Tabon Baker wrote a thirty-page document to criticize Zuma's call for black parties to unite, saying that it is an ANC to call for black people to unite. So President Zuma had a clear project, including the mining charter. You know them seven Zizuana mining charter said things like in a year's time, 30% of the mining rights must rest with black people. Mining, mining uh, boards, must reflect 51% black ownership within a year. And not only that, 1% uh, total turnover must be returned to black people as cash. So that radical policy has been, of course, removed, just like free education has been removed, just like the question of land expropriation without compensation has been removed. State institutions, which under Zuma were functional, such as ESCOM, have been run down so that they can be bought or sold uh, to friends of the current president. So I don't think you can uh, honestly say that Zuma did not move towards uh, the left, including his move with the BRICS project, where he was strengthening BRICS to move away from the West. I mean, we can go on about his attempt to put a fight directly against white capital, but you see, he removed the pro-white ministers such as Pravin Gordon and Tantanene, and he was clobbered in a big way for uh, those moves. But we can see that there were moves intended to strengthen the radical economic transformation possibility. Mm. Andile, yes. when, when, when we go forward, um, let's talk about the key issues that you spoke about with um former president jacob zuma when you went to Uganda, 
for this meeting of supporting him and endorsing him as a leader who is backing um, MK party? Well, firstly, we, we needed to understand better uh, this tactic of being in the ANC, but saying that uh, we must vote for a different party. And in his articulation, he explained that the ANC is an instrument of the people which has been captured by the enemy, and it cannot therefore be left into the hands of the enemy. There must be means to uh, recapture it so that it can be used for what it was intended for. So that is his uh, thinking behind this. And our argument was, it's fine, we support radical economic transformation, and Mkonto is that vehicle. Whether the ANC will be corrected or not, our program of radical economic transformation will continue under Mkonto Wesizu, and that is what we are uh, strengthening. But yeah, we went there to understand that and to also pledge our support to say that we are committed and willing to uh, vote for Mkonto Wesizu and not be on the ballot. So Black First Land First will not be on the ballot, but we say BLF vote for Mkonto Wesizu. Mm. Jacob Zuma has faced um, a lot of criticism when you talk about radical economic transformation. For some people, they view this as corruption. Um, he's been accused of corruption as well as the president of the count or as the former president of the count. I want to give you this chance as a leader who seemed to have a clue about what radical economic transformation is, and you're also linking it to, to MK party. Is radical economic transformation corruption, which is done by politicians who are only benefiting because of their carrying um, party cards of a certain political party? Well, that is the narrative generated by Stellenbosch in London to undermine radical economic transformation. To simply say the people who are corrupt uh, are led by Zuma, and then they brought in the Guptas. You know, people of South Africa, we need to be careful about how we are misled by uh, dominant narratives. In South Africa, it is not the Guptas who are the most corrupt. It is Marcus Gueste of Steinhoff, who disappeared 300 billion rand, including pension money. Now, he is not the face of corruption because he is white. Well, Another example, the Guptas landed at Water 2 of Key Point, and there was a big, big, um, you know, controversy around it. But the Open Armour family, because they are white, they were able to go to Lutuli House, not to government department, to Lutuli House, to the ANC, and demand their own international airport inside Oar Tambo International Airport. They are private international airport. They got it. It's called Fireblade. You can imagine what kind of criminal activities are possible where diamonds could be moved, where arms could be moved because of an international airport owned by white individuals. This was not considered corruption. Just like Marcus Joseph is not the face of corruption in South Africa. So corruption in South Africa is if you are not uh, white. Um, uh, if you are black and you are a threat to the interests of white capital, you certainly be 
projected is corrupt. And now that mechanism, that system, that MO was used in Brazil. The president of Brazil, Lula, who was moving the same direction as President Zuma, ended up in jail for corruption, which indeed wasn't corruption, but political motivated charges to arrest a radical project that he was undertaking. So we must be very careful about labeling people corrupt when in fact it's all politics and it's political mechanisms to uh, paint enemies as corrupt. You know, and it's interesting, it's interesting oh. in terms of how you are defining corruption and also linking it to uh, politicians. And we also want our viewers to also share their views in terms of what you have just said, because people have different views when it comes to this. And I've also picked up that you also have a different view when it comes to this subject. Andile, you are supporting a man who is over 80 and you believe that he's still the right leader to lead black people um, do you think that Jacob Zuma still has um, that energy to lead us? Don't you think maybe could be replaced by someone? I mean, he's 82 by now. Well, ageism does not work in the revolutionary situation. Uh, Fidel Castro was president well over 80 in, in Cuba. And uh, some young people with lots of energy are reactionaries who are selling out their country and nations. So what we must look at is what does the leader represent? And if it is a progressive agenda, we support that agenda. And of course, Zuma is not going to lead alone. He has the other leaders around him who are younger uh, with uh, another energy and other inputs. It's a collective project. It's not a one-man show. Uh, Zuma is just the symbolic figure, of course, who is very wise man and is able to provide advice about what must happen. So we're looking up to him as an elderly statesman who has clear ideas about how we can collectively push the agenda. It's not up to him. It's up to those of us who have uh, uh, energy and discipline to follow uh, the course of revolution. Yes. Mm. If I may jump yeah. in, I, I, okay. I hear what, what Andile is saying, and me looking at it from the outside, every time when you hear the word MK, even during the days of when it was still popular with ANC, MK was associated with old people, and uh, it would be quite sad to see how the younger generation have been complaining about the issue of they cannot relate to what old people are saying. And it's the current problem right now with the current government whereby young people, young people's voices are actually not heard and it's, they are not being given a chance to actually be in leadership positions or make key decisions due to the fact that it is believed in this country that uh, let Abadala take decisions on your behalf. And I believe that is where that is why the country is sitting with a current problem of not moving towards where the world is moving due to the fact that old people are still stuck in doing things the old ways. And another thing that Andila raised that actually caught my attention is the issue of yeah, the corruption, how it's been projected in our country. I mean, like, I remember when, when Dade Zuma said, uh, if you want to start the state capture issue, you need to look deeper into what actually happened going back 
into the days. Example, we were all focused on the Guptas and the lending and the money that disappeared. And Andy actually raised a valid point when he said we didn't pay off to, we didn't pay attention to Stanoff, who disappeared with a truckload of pension money, and nothing was done to him. Nobody pursued him. We saw state resources being being put into chasing the Guptas and all that, but it was never done the same with with uh, Stanhoff. And also the issue with the private airport at Oartambo also. We've seen majority of white privileges till today that they're still getting. And the saddest thing is that going into election, these are things that, uh, that are not addressed. And as black people that are supposed to play a role in this economy, <laughs> they're not being touched on. And we're forgetting one thing. The white people are forgetting the issue of we, the black people, are the economy of this country. But the saddest thing is that we, the black people, undermine our power. You see, so mixed reaction, but yeah, but that's my yeah. two cents. Yeah, no, I hear you. Andile, um, you were speaking earlier with about the possibility of um, collaborating or maybe let's say aligning yourself with other political parties. Um, for some people, there are black parties like uh, EFF, whom they believe that they speak the same language as Jacob Zuma, Esma Khashule, Karl Nias, which are political figures that are respected in this country. You are a former member of EFF. Um, you were bought out of that party, I think it was between 2020, 2014 and 15. Do you have the appetite to work with EFF again if it happens that the MK party will collaborate with them? Yes, uh, all uh, parties that agree on a minimum program uh, to retain the land, to transform the economy, to put black people first, uh, must be brought into the fold so that we create a counterpose to the right-wing agenda. So it's for all politics uh, and uh, a program for change. If we all agree on that, our personal disagreements and so on dislikes should take a secondary uh, place. We must serve this nation and we have the real possibility in these elections to create a new momentum towards resolving the big historical questions of land, of the economy, and saving black people. We must not squander this opportunity through personal squabbles and um, you know, uh, irrelevant fights. We have to find ways to unite on a common minimum program. That's what's important. What is a common minimum program? We argue today is radical economic transformation. If you agree on that, come, let's work. Let's defeat the enemy and make sure that uh, the dream of Chris Ani, the dream of uh, Steve Biko, the dream of Robert uh, Sobukwe uh, becomes a reality. Mm. After you have obviously agreed as black parties, you would have common um, policies as parties. But obviously, you go into parliament whereby you'd meet other political parties that do not share the same policy as yourselves. Mm. Uh, you have also indicated and spoke about the issue of holding those who are in parliament accountable because you want them to speak your language. How are you going to do that while you are not in parliament as BLF? Well, 
it is possible that I might go to parliament and some BLF members might be on the MK list. Um, they might put this, put us there. So uh, there's a really good chance that we might uh, be in that parliament ourselves. Uh, however, even if we're not there, we are going to raise our voices around the things that MK promises and uh, to make sure that those things happen. So we are going to become a thorn on the side of MK uh, parliamentarians uh, to say we have promised people these things, why are they not happening? So we believe with MK in parliament, we'll have one foot in the decision-making arena to make sure that uh, the black agenda is pushed forward. But as I say, well, it's possible some of us might even be on that list of MK. Um, um, Andile, as, as a member of EFF and also you are backing MK party now, which I believe that you have gained some experience in terms of leading there at the EFF and of also gained experience obviously as the president and the founder of BLF. In terms of that, how do you think this will work um, for your advantage in parliament in terms of how you would address issues that are concerning black people who do not have the chance to be in parliament to voice their frustrations as you have also indicated that when it comes to corruption and state capture in this country there's a narrative that you assume and claim that is subjective so how are you going to use this opportunity while you will have a chance to be in parliament well firstly it's going to be a collective effort uh, we are answerable to the party that put us in parliament and priorities of parliamentarians will be determined by the collective as well. We hope to make an input around uh, those priorities as our political history has shown our commitment to land question, to addressing racism to, and to making sure that black people are put first. So we are going to try to influence uh, that parliamentary process, including, of course, developing of policies of MK. We are going to be very active in that, including in the development of the election manifesto. We hope that we can uh, get an opportunity to make a contribution in shaping really the program of the party so that it reflects the real concerns of the black majority and the MK becomes the weapon to uh, drive the liberation of black people. Mm. It's, it's now over 30 years since the ANC has been given a chance to achieve what we call radical economic transformation, the issue of land, which is a very sensitive issue for many black people. When they talk about it, some of them, they become emotional because that's where some of them were destroyed, even mentally in terms of the land being taken away from them. Um, these are some of the issues that when you speak to some of the black voters, they become frustrated. Some of them, they even think that ANC will never be a solution to them. You are now introducing again a party which is coming out as a black party, MK party. In a very practical manner, Andile, how are you going to achieve the issue of land? Are we going to see black people having the same land as white people in this country? the same participation 
that is equal in terms of economy because at the moment the minority they still have economic power but the majority they do not have that economic power it's heartbreaking actually it's really heartbreaking that some of the people who lost land after apartheid including the 80s some communities have put up their claims to the restitution program of government which is a government program that says if you lost your land after 1913 you can put a claim and you can get your land back or if your land is now uh, developed in this uh, town you can get financial compensation now a lot of our people have put up a claim the closing date was 1998 a lot of our people put up a claim because we know that more than 300 Uh, uh, 3 million people were affected by the apartheid forced removal only our people went submitted their claims this government is failing even to address where people can in living memory show where they were removed right this government is failing to address that that matter it is now bringing to make a permanent a land claims court putting up bureaucratic measures instead of simply saying where were you removed people say yeah go back to your land and paperwork will follow this government has failed to do that they have the instrument they have the uh, legal instrument even in the constitution the restitution is uh, stated there there's a restitution act but this government is so terrified of white land owners that it has failed to uh, make sure that these victims these victims of land dispossession within living memory we're not talking about the larger questions which include the historical land dispossession we're talking about people who lost land within living memory this government has failed them as well it shows that there's no political will to address the land question this government of the anc is terrified of white people that's why it must be removed and given the fact that or if you can look into young generation especially ama 2000 they're quite radical and aggressive in everything that they do don't you think had young people been in power we would be sitting with a different scenario right now yeah we we need that uh, energy and radicalism and rudeness of the ama ama 2000 <laughs> but you know the problem we have right now is that the biggest block voting block is young people they're bigger than the ANC uh, statistics show that 14 million of young people are unregistered and the ANC in the last election got only 10 million votes so young people by themselves they can form a government and that is why we must insist that they do register and they vote for mk and insist that the mk reflect the interest of young people but there's um, another issue i'm i'm i'm, I'm going to chip in sorry for that there's another issue you just said young there's over 14 million young people that are not registered and they must come in and vote for the mk but now you saying they must vote for another old person or old people that are going to make decisions for them and that's what they don't want well we are not talking about old people we're talking about a program that will address their issue 
But you've but got, a, you've got, a, you've got a leader who's eight years who's leading this current new political party in his 82th year, 82 years of experience. You say you must come back to a 19-year-old and say, vote for me to make your life better. But this old person is not listening to what the 19-year-old is saying. There's a huge generational well, gap there. Well, if we look in terms of the programs of government under President Zoom, even young people, such as free education, it was prioritized and announced. So it is not the age, it is the vision. Because even young people themselves, when they do take power, they can become reactionary and not serve national interests. So we are not looking at the age, we're looking at what is the agenda. And will that agenda address the issues of our people, including young people? But now the problem so, is that, that if you saying it's not the age, why is it difficult for MK to convince a 19-year-old to go and register to vote then? If they choose to sit down and say, I'm not going to vote, I don't see the interest, I don't see the point of doing this thing, why is it difficult for you to actually convince those young people to register? Well, that is the message that we are going to put forward and let's see how far we can take them. Look, if young people were listening to young people, uh, Julius Malema is a fairly young person. All these 14 million people would have been voting for the EFF. All of them would have been uh, registered. That did not happen because probably they are not attracted to the programs that the EFF is talking about. So we are saying young people get on that uh, registration and then determine which party represents a possible future for you as young people. And I'm saying MK policies have the best possibility to catapult young people out of the current economic systemic exclusion that they face. We have to think ahead. We have to have policies which are futuristic and make sure that we listen I mean, look at the graduates. These are young people. This government has abandoned them. They are not being given the kind of work that they've studied for. They are languishing in township and squatter camps. It is evil. It cannot be. Happening for the past 12 years. There's nothing new. 